Hey, got a quick question for you. How old are you going to be when you pay your house off? If you listen to this show very much, you know, I'm obsessed with time. I'm also obsessed with age and how old people are. It's almost a meme at this point about how many times I've joked about how old AJ styles is. But the reality is this, we can help you get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments and save with Conrad. And that might not be something you're thinking about right now, but check this testimonial out. It comes to us from Joseph in Houston, Texas. He says, I drive for work, so I have no time to be on the phone. The majority of communication came via text. No rush. I got back to Derek when I could on my time. You guys cut down my payoff date by eight years, even adding money to the loan and still making the payoff date eight years earlier. So what we're talking about is if you've got credit card debt, when's the best time to pay it off today? Savewithconrad.com can help, but more importantly, cutting eight years off of your loan. I want you to ask yourself this question. How old am I when I pay my house off? It's kind of weird that we don't know the answer to that right off the top of our head. We hear people all the time say things like, oh, I've got six car payments left. How many house payments do you have left, bro? How old are you going to be? And how old are your kids going to be? What we're talking about is paying your house off before your kids go to college. We're talking about paying your house off before you plan to retire. Nobody wants to retire and hope that they can still make a house payment. Retire your debt and then retire. Retire your debt and then help your kids with college tuition so they can avoid student loans. And if you've got student loans, you know you don't want to burden your kids with those. Let me help. Let me show you how to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments and the greatest tax deduction possible at SaveWithConrad.com. Now, as always, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. So find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? What are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Howdy, folks. Double J here. That's right. That's J-E-double... No, folks, you know all that. Hey, guys. Jeff Jarrett here. And I just finished recording the very first episode of My World with Jeff Jarrett. You know, Conrad, he may be regretting right now uh, bringing me on board because I don't think he liked some of the things I said. But guess what? You can hear it early and ad-free on adfreeshows.com or this Tuesday, May 4th, it drops. You know, what a roller coaster of a ride it was. The night Jeff Jarrett held up Vince McMahon. Come on, guys. Does that even make sense? Anyhow, hear the entire, complete, nothing but the truth, the whole truth, so help me God. Tune in this Tuesday, My World with Jeff Jarrett. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the founder of the Four Horsemen, the inventor of the Spine Buster, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Good morning, Mr. Thompson. How are you, bud? I am uh, full of a lot of ideas and and uh, reasons and thoughts and all kind of stuff. I'm, I'm very, very good today. Well, I'm excited to hear it. And of course, I want to welcome everybody to our new home Saturday, six Oh five boy, Saturday at six Oh five goes together with Arn Anderson, like peas and carrots. Does it not? I think so. And I think that's a huge part of my life that, uh, that maybe we skipped over and, uh, we're going to go back and 
basically, I think you and I have talked and we've agreed that uh, maybe we skipped over some of the old stuff and more with me in the role of a wrestler stories and, and, and pretty much, you know, I was, I was sitting home when this idea came to me and uh, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, when I watch ESPN 3030 or any of those shows, you know, where they go back and they tell you about athletes or, mm-hmm. or movie stars or normal people or whatever. And for me, the most interesting part is growing up their childhood, their teenage years before they were a star. How did they get there? That's the stuff that really rivets with me and it fascinates me. And I thought, you know, uh, I've certainly got one of those to tell, which uh, we've told bits and pieces of on, on the podcast. So, you know, it just, before you look at somebody where they are in life, you might look at where they've been and where they started. And that could tell a lot of, tell a lot of tales. So that's the idea of starting at the very beginning, back to the very beginning. And we'll go from there. I like it. We're going to hit the reset button and, uh, tell our story, uh, in autobiographical form. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of a departure, maybe a little less WWE agent stuff on the, uh, five and 10 year anniversaries and more about his journey through professional wrestling and life. And today's episode, we're calling growing up Arn. So, uh, Arn, let's just start from the beginning. I think, uh, uh, your story couldn't really be told without your grandmother, right? Yeah. There's just, you know, grandmothers. And every time I talk about my grandmother, grandfather, I get, you know, a lot of tweets and a lot of reactions of people that were raised by their grandparents. And I think they are the unsung heroes, basically of parenting, to be honest with you. Um, hats off to people that have a mother or a father in the picture growing up, much less both. Uh, I happen to have grandparents because of the fact that I did have an absentee uh, mother and a non-existent father. So um, I guess we should probably just kind of start at the building, you know, at the beginning, excuse me. Um, Rome, Georgia, little bitty town. Uh, Matter of fact, I was just there for a signing and it was one of the two times that I've been back there in probably 25 years. So really? Yeah. Yeah. Man, has it changed? You know, uh, Bob Moss, who is probably my oldest and dearest friend. uh, I got to see him work out with him and meet his son, who's in his mid twenties, believe it or not, for the first time. Wow. And that insane. It is insane. And it's criminal to be honest with you, Conrad. It really is, you know, because it's not that far away, but right. it's such is life. Um, and I saw, you know, Gary bowling, uh, he'll know who he is and everybody in Rome that, you know, knows who he is. He's a, you know, friend of mine growing up in Tony Zane, if you know that name, oh, of course. who broke in with me and uh, Todd Zane and some of those guys. And, uh, it was, it was a good event, but it brought back a lot of memories and I, I didn't recognize most of it. Um, so anyway, um, I was born 1958 and, uh, 
let's just say my mom was, was too young to be having a baby. And my father probably was not going to be dedicated or that interested in being a father. So my grandmother seeing this and figuring this out pretty quickly, she, when it was time to go home, she just scooped me up and my grandparents took me to their house. Mm. Uh, when you grow up with people that don't have to raise you because it's their obligation, but do it out of love and because they want to, I think you receive a special upbringing, whether it's, it's, uh, it's kids that uh, are orphans, you know, and, and are taken in, uh, uh, I just think that, when you're wanted in a home, it's a, it's a different kind of thing. So my mom, once again, I don't blame her. I've looked back on, on all the things that, that I had to go through. Uh, and there was a time that I was very bitter because when you're young, it's tough. But uh, uh, you get embarrassed very easily. Let's just say my mother had an alcohol problem for as long as I can remember. And she ran through three or four husbands. And uh, every time she would come and try to take me out of the house, that would last about half a night. And I would get on the phone, call my granny. My granddad would come pick me up. Uh, as I got about, and I was a chubby kid growing up too, and uh, uh, things were just uh and I know I'm kind of stuttering through this, but it was a tough time yeah. when you're, when you're a fat kid and you're very poor, um, uh, our home had no air conditioning and, uh, that's a big deal when you live in the South. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, you would know about that. Uh, but you know, wooden floors, uh, my grandmother smoked her only, her only vice was she smoked those camels and one after another, after another in a house that is shut up basically with no air conditioning and just operating off of fans, not a big fan of cigarette smoke, no offense to smokers. That's just me. And, uh, I really didn't notice it as much growing up because it was part of my everyday life. But, uh, you know, it, when I would go to someone else's house, like Bob Moss's who had air conditioning and people didn't smoke in the house and all that stuff, it was like, wow, this is refreshing. God almighty. Uh, not that that was a big deal because the love that, that my grandmother and grandfather bestowed on me was worth anything incidental, like no air conditioning. But anyway, my mom decided she would marry one of her husbands and I was about 15 years old. Uh, and she comes in the house one, one night and, uh, or just about dusk and, uh, she's bleeding like a stuck pig. Oh yeah. Uh, her husband decided he was going to drink a fifth of old crow and, uh, hit her in the head with a, with a sword split her wide open. Um, so I looked at this, looked at her. She's apologizing 
Sporham, which how, is a, uh, how old are you here? 15. Okay. Man, if you're a business owner, you don't need us to tell you that running a business is tough, but you might be making it harder on yourself than necessary. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch those spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need all in one place instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save both time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com forward slash ARN. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com forward slash ARN. That's netsuite.com forward slash ARN. So I get on my bicycle. I didn't have transportation and I rode my bicycle down there. But before I left, she looked at me and in so many cases of abuse, she said, you know, don't go down there. Don't go down there. And I said, no, I'm going, I'm going. And, uh, she said he was a, uh, carpet layer by occupation. She said, don't go Marty. He'll cut you. Mm. Now being told as a 15 year old, who's going down to fight a grown man that he'll cut you pretty disturbing and it makes you think for a second but i get my baseball bat and i jump on my bicycle and i go down there and let's just say that ended badly for him but there's something about being 15 and still being having some purity in your heart and and in your mind I knew how bad and how wrong that was to have been taken place, but he never touched my mother again. They never resided in the same house again. And it was one of those things that early in life, you figure out sometimes you got to do some, some really disturbing things in your life to set things right. And that was one of those things that I'll never forget. I didn't, uh, I didn't feel better about myself ever having done it, but, uh, it's one of those things you do. You defend your mom. So, uh, let's just say, uh, once again, thank God I had two loving parents to go home to. Is your, is your mom still with us today? Been, uh, passed a very, very long time before I actually even got in the business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um So. I just wanted to throw that out there for, for, for the people that, that do live in abusive situations and there are extremes, different extremes. It can be verbal. It can be a lot of different things that can, you know, you can be shaming people for their body structure. And, you know, again, at 15 years old, I was still a pretty chubby kid. 
um, I'd started sports, you know, but it was baseball and some of those things and football and growing up. But I still was a kid walking into a man's house yeah. with, with the potential of him having a, a carpet knife in his hand. So there's ways out folks, you know, do what you got to do. But sometimes as a man in this world, you gotta, you gotta stand up and, and take care of stuff. Um, it's just tasteful as it, as it may be. Talk to me about, um, sports as a kid, you know, we, we I think you've told the story before and, and maybe we'll have you do it again of, um, first discovering pro wrestling, but I think a lot of our listeners, myself included, we grew up playing baseball and football. Tell me about your journey through those sports, what positions you played and wh- who your favorite players were, sort of what your motivation was and all that. Okay. Um, well, nine through 12, I discovered little league baseball and, uh, man, I loved it to this day. I think I went ahead and played uh, 13, 14, which was called pony league in uh in rome it was for your 13 14 year olds so i played about six years of baseball which i absolutely loved playing um being that fat kid and let's just say it i was a fat kid and it was my own fault because my diet probably was not the best but anyway i started playing midget football now in rome we had uh Mites, Pee-wee, it was peewees, mites, junior midget, senior midget. The, the problem I ran into was right out of the get-go, I couldn't make weight for any of that lower football. I was immediately playing senior midgets when I was two or three years younger than the other kids. And as you know, that's a pretty good gap at, at that age. But what I didn't know and what I wasn't aware is I was getting thumped by all these older kids. Uh, I was also playing with kids that were at a higher level, which was making me better. And I didn't know it at the time. So that when my age group caught up to me at senior midgets, I'd already been playing with the bigger, older guys. So inadvertently, it gave me a advantage. Then things started to get fun, and uh, football and baseball were my sports until I got to high school my freshman year, and I discovered amateur wrestling. Yeah, so I didn't know you, you got into amateur wrestling. Tell me about that. Well, high school, it was a, you know, this was a time when you didn't ask. Coaches didn't go around and ask kids what they wanted to do. They would say, are you playing football? Coach would kind of make the rounds at PE and stuff and start looking the kids over. You're going to play football? Uh, yes, sir. I'd love to play JV football. Okay. Then you'll be at, uh, I suppose that you're not a great basketball player that I don't see there, are you? Or a track star? No, sir. Well, then you'll be on the wrestling team. They didn't ask. They told you. I don't know if you've been uh, subjected to that, Conrad. Well, you know, Gunnersville, where I went to school, they didn't have a wrestling program. So I'm just even fascinated by the idea that Rome did. I didn't think Rome was a big enough town to be able to put together a wrestling team, but they did. Okay. Here's something you already know. I am a big believer in paintyourlife.com. 
Uh, my wife and I actually have two of these for our family hung in our dining room. I've given this as a gift to uh, a cousin. I've given it to my mom. I've given it to my dad. I've given it to my in-laws. It is a home run if you're looking for the perfect gift for anyone in your life, a birthday, a wedding gift, an anniversary gift, Mother's Day. You need to discover PaintYourLife.com. Especially if your family hasn't been able to get together for a while now, this is a perfect way to bring everyone together safely. And when I first heard that at PaintYourLife.com, you could get a custom-made painting, I thought, okay, that sounds cool, but it's got to be expensive. I just remember as a kid, you know, you would see these mansions on TV and they would always have like an oil painting of themselves over the fireplace. There's this huge mantle and boom, there it is. You know, lovey and whatever their names were. And then I found it, paintyourlife.com. That's not the case, man. You can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. But when I say any photo, I mean it. I use the pictures on my phone because that's real, right? That's how we're all taking photos these days and posting it to social media and everywhere else. Well, here at paintyourlife.com, you get one of those photos and then you choose from a team of world-class artists and you work with them until every detail is perfect. They've got an awesome and user-friendly platform that lets you create and order custom-made and hand-painted portraits in less than five minutes. We're talking a quick and easy process where you get your hand-painted portrait in just about three weeks. Now, let me recap what we're talking about. Any picture, and I use the ones on my phone, of yourself, your children, a family, a special place, a cherished pet, or combined photos into one painting. That's really special. Uh, what if your grandfather never got, got to meet your son and you wanted to give that to your mom? Holy cow, man. What a cool and special thing that is. It brings generations together. A guy in my office actually did that this past Christmas at paintyourlife.com. Unfortunately, his dad passed away. He never got to meet his son. So imagine his mom's face when she tore open her Christmas present thinking, you know, what is this? Another, And then bam, there is a hand-painted portrait of her husband holding her grandchild Tears all around, man. It makes the perfect birthday, the perfect anniversary, the perfect wedding gift. This is something that's meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. I am a big believer. Uh, you've seen the, po the photos that I've posted online. You've seen the ones that Ric Flair has. Uh, it is a big deal, man. I cannot stress how cool of a gift this is, especially if you're talking about someone who's hard to buy for. We always know that person. This is the solution. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded guaranteed and right now is a limited time offer you can get 20 percent off your painting that's right 20 percent off and free shipping to get this special offer just text the word arn to 64,000. that's arn to 64,000. text arn to 64,000. paint your life celebrate the moments that matter most terms apply available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms one more time though text arn to 64,000. That's Arn to 64,000. You know what? That was, sports was one thing that Rome had. There was like seven high schools around Rome, believe that or not. And uh, football was big. Georgia wrestling was big as far as amateur wrestling, bigger than you would think. Uh, so it was my first time being conditioned at that level, wrestling practice, I think any amateur wrestler will tell you is the hardest thing they've ever done. Yeah. And I will back that up a hundred percent. Wrestling practice is incredible, but you get in incredible shape as well. And that's the first time I lost all the baby fat 
started lifting weights and, and I saw, you know, I actually got skinny for the first time. I wrestled 145 as a freshman. Mm. Uh, sophomore, junior years, 167, I ended up at. And uh, it just did more for your confidence. It did more for keeping you out of trouble because when you can't eat, and you can't, you certainly, if you're drinking at that age, you know, junior in high school, a lot of people start, a lot of guys, but you can't drink, you can't, you know, you can't eat. You got to be very, very careful that you, you make weight or all that hard practice is just for nothing. So, uh, so I achieved, I wasn't a state champion or anything like that. I won a couple of regional tournaments which would have put me at in the state tournament, but I got hurt my junior year practicing actually before the state tournament actually went down. So uh, it did a lot for my confidence. It did a lot for me as a human being and more so starting at about eight years old, just kind of backtracking a little bit. The thing that was always in the back of my mind, no matter what else I did, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Mm. I don't know what age you became a avid fan, but obviously you are as I am. Did it start for you that early? Uh, I think I was seven. I told this story before Bob Moss, who was my best friend and is still my good friend. And I just recently saw in Rome and, uh, I would call him. Now this is eight years old and say, you got to come down here. You got to come see this hurry, hurry, hurry. Well, waiting for him up on the couch by the door that came into our house was me in my underwear with a face mask toboggan and a shoestring down in my underwear. So as he came in, I jumped off the couch wrapped a shoestring around his throat and was trying to choke him out with a mask on eight years old. <laughs> That's nuts, ain't it? So let's talk about that. I guess, uh, I know we're, we're bouncing all over the place, but I like talking about young Arn. who were your sort of, uh, big stars that you were seeing that you were trying to emulate as a little kid uh, across all the sports, but we'll start with wrestling. Well, yeah, I mean, it was Georgia championship wrestling. Uh, it was six Oh five. That's, uh, uh, the, really the big show that, that got me started a little bit later, but early on the, the first wrestling show that I remember seeing was, uh, out of Chattanooga, Ed Caprell was the, uh, announcer. And I think it would have had to have been Nick Goulas's product. That's the one that first caught my eye. Then as I got a little bit older as a teenager, I started to see guys like Dick Slater, Bob Orton Jr. wrestling to uh, some of those guys. And uh, uh, Rocky Johnson, you know, he was the first guy that I saw that had a, a physique like mm -hmm. God almighty. I want to look like that. But my heroes were Dick Slater, Bob Orton Jr., just because I, I, I began to, as a teenager, you look through different eyes and I started to see those guys were the ones causing all the excitement. 
It right. wasn't necessarily Tommy Rich and Wrestling 2 and those guys. Slater and Orton were the guys making things happen, and it was, wow. It, uh, it took on a new meaning for me. How were you when you realized it was the heels? Uh, probably 16, 17, somewhere in there. You know, a lot of people listening to this can relate to this. They had a, a grandfather or a grandmother who were really into wrestling. Were either of your grandparents into it? Um, I think my grandfather would watch a little bit of it. But to be honest with you, he worked so hard. Uh, wh what I remember most about him, and it's clear as a bell, he had one of these nine-band big radios when they first came out. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He would cut hair all day. He was a barber. Cut hair probably from six to six. Come home, eat a little dinner. Go work his garden for an hour. And then he would come in and listen to the Braves. Mm. And more so than, than watching wrestling, I was the only one watching wrestling. My granny wouldn't have dreamed, you know, of watching it. It was kind of, I had the TV all to myself and he would listen to the Braves on the radio and fall asleep in his chair. And, uh, I was kind of sit there and just by myself, just sit there and fantasize about being a wrestler. I think, uh, even to this day, you and your whole family, y'all are big Braves fans, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We sure are. And, uh, they're off to a slow start. Uh, things are going to pick up. I know they just have too much talent on that team for it. Not to, uh, talk to me a little bit about your favorite, uh, Braves players as a kid. Uh, well, Hank Aaron comes to mind right yeah, away. Of course. Bob, you know, Phil Necro, Bob Horner, uh, all those fantastic teams in the nineties, you know, when they won all those pennants, uh, they had uh, incredible pitching staff. And as my memory fails me, as always, the names are, are right in front of their front of me, but I just can't think of them all, but they had a rotation that was just unbelievable. Uh, skip forward till, to today, and you got, you know, a bunch of young stars, Albies, Ozuna, you know, Freddie Freeman, all these guys that are, that are leaders on that team. Um, but, uh, it's, it's always, it's, always been a huge Braves fan. It's funny that you and I have so much in common in that regard. We both started watching wrestling around the same age. And even though I was an Alabama kid, we too were Braves fans. So my favorite player as a kid was Dale Murphy. You ever get to meet Dale? Oh yeah. Dale Murphy was incredible. Yeah. I never got to meet him though, sir. Um, I don't believe I've met some Braves. There were a couple of times over the years where, uh, like, you know, when wrestling was really hot, some of those guys would, would like come down to the Omni and stuff and we would meet them backstage. And I'm talking, you know, mid eighties, late eighties, uh, I don't remember who exactly. I remember Davey Johnson played on that team with Dale Murphy, right? Yep. You know, they had some really good players. Phil Necro, maybe. Was that his era or was yeah. he already? No, he was around. Yeah. I mean, a lot of good players. Bob Warner. Uh, and I'm leaving out my guy to host of them. Of course. But, yeah. But point is, love to go to a baseball game. 
That's one of the few things I could sit there and just watch. People say it's slow. It may be slow to watch on TV unless you're an avid fan, but man, when you go live, it's awesome. That's how much Michael in North Carolina saved at SaveWithConrad.com. He left us a five-star review that said, I've had many bad experiences with buying and refinancing, but my experience with First Family was first class, easy, and overall a great experience. Derek and Jennifer are awesome. To be honest, I was skeptical that this process was going too smooth and anxiety levels rose waiting for something bad to happen. But we closed and I slept like a baby. It was nuts. Derek and the crew saved me $91,000 off the life of my new loan and cut my interest rate by almost half. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. First family mortgage. No, thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to the podcast and thanks for letting us save your family. 91,000 bucks. Now that's his number 91 grand. What's your number? You see, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. If you can hear my voice and you have a 30-year loan, a second mortgage, or a credit card debt, I guarantee I can save you cash. Find out how much right now for free. This is no cost, no obligation, and if we can help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. And at SaveWithConrad.com, you're not being rerouted overseas. You're talking to me and my family at First Family. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payment for two months? How's that for a summer break from house payments? No payments in June or July. You're done until August 1st at SaveWithConrad.com. Let's talk a little bit about uh, football. You mentioned uh, that you also played uh, football. I I don't know what that allegiance looks like outside of you're a good-for-nothing Georgia fan. Yeah, it's real easy for you to sit there underneath Wahoo's feathers <laughs> and sing the praises of Alabama. They've been so good for so long. But, you know, I, I, now I've went a different way. I'm, a, I'm an SEC fan, and Georgia gets almost to the brink a couple, you know, the last few years, and they get knocked out right at the end. Alabama takes their rightful place on top of the throne. I do pull for you guys or any other SEC team who's in the national championship against everybody else. No, me too. Just, just so we get that out there. So, uh, as a, as a kid though, you, your grandfather's a big Georgia fan as well. I assume how the, that's how that got ingrained into you here in Alabama. It's uh, Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Who do you pull for? And as a kid, you don't really have a choice. It's whoever your dad and your grandfather pull for, and you get. Uh, indoctrinated into that line of thinking, whether you want to or not. You know what? He was not a football fan, Mm. just baseball, just baseball. And I tell you, the reason I know is every Sunday, his only day off from cutting hair was Sunday. And he would take a half a day off on Wednesday to take my grandmother to the grocery store. It was clockwork, but on Sunday, he would snag those fishing poles. He would head out and he would go to his fishing pole, uh, retreat, or he would, if it was hunting season, he would go hunting. He took at least Sunday morning and part of the afternoon for him, which I didn't really notice that until I got a little bit older and he started carrying me with him. He bought me a shotgun. 
He taught me how to quail hunt. He was not a deer hunter. His theory was that you, you had to earn your prize. And buddy, if you're walking through the woods at eight o'clock in the morning and quail flies up in front of you, if you knock him down, you earned it because it ain't easy. So he was a bird hunter. He had two, two bird dogs that, uh, were Cracker Jack, uh, liver spot pointers. <laughs> Don't ask me how I can remember that, but it's apropos, isn't it? It is. Um, but he kind of took that time for himself. He didn't watch football very much, but man, he loved baseball. So you, uh, you're growing up with, with a different set of circumstances and we're, we're really leaning on grandma and grandpa. You told us what happened with your mom. Did dad ever pop back up into the picture? Even when you were a TV star? No. Um, I talked to him one time on the phone and it was to request, uh, a small amount of money. Uh, you know, he, uh, he sent his, his, uh, child support checks now to his credit every week. You know what, uh, the amount was, I don't $15 a week. Oh my gosh. When that don't go very far, but that's what the court at that time, of course, it was a million years ago, but that's what they dictated. He pay. And, and every week the $15 was there. I called him one time. I want to say, uh, to ask for $50. I wanted to have like a, a roller skating party for my birthday. And I don't remember which birthday it was. That was met with, uh, sorry, I'm on a, you know, going through some rough times right now. Won't be able to do that for you. So it's the last time I spoke to him. And then the other three or four husbands that filtered through during the course of over the years, it was, you know, none of them wanted to be a dad. I think they wanted to just play house with my mother. My mother never became a mother. She was just somebody that had a kid and, uh, the alcohol, you know, controlled her life. I'm sure there's people have, uh, I've heard over the years that our experts say there's an alcoholic gene. Yeah. I've heard that. Then it gets, then it gets passed on. Well, I, in my life, I've overdrank and I've been a shitty role model to my older son. I'm sure many times, uh, but, uh, that gene was passed on to me and, and I sure enjoyed a cold beer over the years. And I'm sure that there was many times I had too many. Um, uh, and I know that my kids drink, but what I've tried to teach them by example, which I've kind of cut it off the last few years. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can quit, but only if you want to. And that's one thing that I decided. And I'd been a bit of a lousy role model with my oldest son, which I think led him to drink more than he should. And he got in some trouble, you know, uh, my youngest son, of course, just graduated college. And as we know, college boys drink. And yeah. I, it's expected. I'm not saying anything bad about either one of them, but right. also before he started college, I had a night uh, laying in the bed. And for whatever reason, I just said, God, I, 
you know, uh, I don't want to be the role model for this younger son that I was for the older. We at least take the craving away and I'll do the rest because it, people will tell you that have drank for a long time, especially, you know, beer drinkers, I think maybe it's not, especially when you get a taste for it, that's all you want. Right. For me, it was when I worked out on days that I was working, I would just drink water. And on days I wasn't working cold beer. And that's all I wanted because that's what my body craved. And, uh, the next morning, it's funny, Conrad, the next morning I woke up and went and worked out. I was off that day and I started drinking beer and it just didn't taste good. And from that point on, it did not taste good anymore. And to this day, I'll have one occasionally lost my taste overnight. Miracle. Love talking about my friend, Steven Singer, you know, the competition really hates him. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better, and he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every guest the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The person next to you may be paying less. Do you want an important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, you and I have hung out, I don't know, three or four dozen times. I think total cumulatively, I've seen you have two or three, maybe total. Yeah. Uh, it's just not, you know, and, and listen, <laughs> there's a lot of fans who listen to this, who just remember, you know, the old running hard days, the stories and TV and promos and all that. And so we have a different expectation and then, you know, you meet you and you have a, a beer and you say, okay, boys, I'm headed to bed. It's, it's not exactly what you were expecting. No. And I'm not going to lie back in the day, we would get back to the to the Marriott bar and brother, I may whiff down 10 or 12, Yeah, you know, in a couple hours. Uh, and it just, you know, you pick a time in your life where it's not that important. And, and part of that prayer that I had besides, uh, you know, for my boys and stuff, being a better role model, being a better human being, Got to remember, for 19 years, I was rolling out a raw on Monday night at 1130 with a 300-mile drive, and I was pooped. I mean, I'm not a young man anymore. And when you're out driving 2, 3, 4, 4.30 in the morning, you don't want to be drinking. That's just ridiculous. And that helped me make that decision to not – to just quit. And – uh you know, I slowed it way down, uh, on those nights. Uh, and, uh, you know, I went, went from drinking, you know, 
substantial amount of beer to just a few beers to just no beers. And it was just, it was easy, but you're right. You know, people hear the stories, the horseman stories. And these days I'm a pretty boring cat. (laughs) When did, um, did there ever come a time where you felt like, uh, or maybe your family felt like, Hey, it's going too far. Or is this something you were just able to recognize on your own? Um, I never had any grief from them. They were, you know, it was never those situations, but I'm sure there were times that, you know, when you drink and you get indignant, you don't realize you're getting indignant unless somebody points it out. Right. And then, it, and then it's funny. You blame them, you know, Hey, I'm just having a few drinks, you know, uh, you never look inwardly and realize because the one thing I have figured out is, and I'm not talking about social drinkers or casual drinkers or people that can handle their, their booze, but the worst thing you can be around a bunch of drunks is sober. Yeah. And I've figured that out and it's, it is not a good time. I mean, just put it to you that way. So I can only imagine the people over the years that were around me when I was roaring, uh, and they weren't. So for all those folks, I apologize. It's pretty special that you were able to, uh, to just sort of go cold Turkey and walk away like that. I think a lot of people, uh, feel the need to attend some sort of recovery process or facility. Uh, I I mean, you know, I, I guess the word is rehab. Did you feel like you had to do some sort of uh, rehab, even if it wasn't physically, just mentally and sort of train your brain to do differently? Well, it kind of, it kind of took care of itself. Now, there were those some days after that first day that I would go get that deep sweat or we would be on vacation. I, you know, we're at the beach or out by the pool and buddy, as you know, and I know there is nothing better than sitting out on, you know, Pensacola beach after having had a hell of a workout old up with a cooler full of cold beer, but it just never tasted the same. Yeah. And the taste is what you have to conquer. Anybody that drinks a beer for the first few times and say, Oh, that tastes awesome. It's full of shit. Yeah, of course they are. They taste terrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a little hard to have mixed drinks down on the beach, unless, I mean, you can always mix up, mix up a pitcher and stick them in a cooler and they'll last maybe a, a, a little while, but that's a little difficult. That's yeah. a little easier to have, but, uh, not much on the sweet drinks. Those kind of, you kind of get sick before you get hammered. Uh, I guess my second drink of choice would have been Sea breezes, stoly sea breezes, <laughs> which I drank some of those along the way. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a part of life you go through and some people never escape it when, you know, when you have the history that I have with my mom passing the gene on to me and stuff. And, and I actually really enjoyed drinking. It just, uh, it, uh, it's like everything else you outgrow it. And you, the, the most important thing are your children and you want to do what you can do to, to help them grow up the right way. If, if there is such a thing as the alcoholic gene, as you mentioned, do you think your grandmother or grandfather had it at one point in their life and they just figured out how to manage it? Well, I know this, 
my grandmother never drank a drop the entire time that I knew her. However, I did see that she caught my grandfather towards the end of, of his life. Turns out he developed cancer that nobody knew. And the last, say, year and a half, two years of his life, she caught him like with a like there was a pint liquor bottle. She caught a couple times in the clothes hamper. There was there was found liquor in the dryer. And we thought, you know, and I, I remember her and him getting into heated discussions about it. She just thought he was a drunk. Mm. And that was her explanation. As we found out later, he had developed bone cancer. And for those that have had it, I'm assuming they're telling the truth. I don't know why they wouldn't be, but they say it's one of the most painful things there are. Yeah. bone because it's in your bones and other than go to a doctor, which people of his era didn't go to a doctor. Yeah. Cause they might tell you you're sick. Exactly. Yeah. And he had still had a family to complete, you know, uh, taken care of in his mind and not going to work. Wasn't an option and all those different things. Uh, so the way he numbed the pain was he had bottles of liquor hit around the house and he would, drink a bunch of liquor till it would knock him out so he could go to sleep and get up at four 30 in the morning to go cut hair again. So that was the experience that, you know, he was drinking, but I got it big time. And he looked at me one day after my grandmother chewed him out and took a portion of a bottle and threw it away. And he looked at me and he said, son, I hurt. Hmm. And those words cut me in half because he wasn't pleading. He was just stating a fact so that I understood. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. You said a minute ago, and then uh, he'd go cut hair. Did your grandfather have his own barber shop, or did he have a chair at uh, another fellow's shop, or how did that work? Him and a uh, preacher who was also one of his best friends shared the shop. Two-seater. Uh, we've taught, I took, uh, on my recent trip to Rome, I took the whole family and I took them by his barbershop and right across the street. I've told the story before, uh, was the projects. And, uh, when I was little on Sunday, uh, my granddaddy would, would get me and, you know, about every other Sunday or every third one, he would take me down and he would cut my hair. Um, but a couple of, you know, a couple of times I went down to the shop and he said, you want to make some extra money? And he would let me sweep up all the hair and sit there for a couple hours. And it, cause they were pretty busy. They had the firemen, policemen, all those mm. guys, construction workers. And man, I was sweeping that hair up, putting it in the bag. 
Well, every other week there would be a group of kids that he would have come down to the shop and I would be sweeping up the hair. And, uh, there was a couple of times I would come in and they would get there before me. And what he had done was he would had given them all a haircut free and he was letting them sweep up the hair. And I went in, I went, you know, to, to grab the broom, which that was my job, I thought. And he came over and put his hand on my hand and he said, son, let them do it. They're learning something. And he was teaching them. Get a little work in, get a little pay in. But what he was really doing was giving them a free haircut. Mm. I didn't understand that at the time until a little bit later, I figured it out. And, uh, that's just the kind of man he was. Uh, ultimately, of course, um, father time does no jobs. Uh, how old were you when, when your grandfather passed away? Um, it was before I went on the road, I would have probably been 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there. Um, during that time I had started to, uh, you know, I still wanted to be a wrestler in the back of my mind, but my jobs, once I got out of high school, the first job I had, I was pushing pipe in the ditch for the water department, $2 and 82 cents an hour. Oh. I started to learn how to run a backhoe. Same pay, a little bit more upscale job. Then I got for Rome, what was a pretty good job. It's called warehouse groceries. Yeah. I remember you telling me about this. I think you have some in Alabama. Yeah. Not too far from me. So I got a job, uh, unloading trucks and grinding hamburger meat and putting chicken in trays, which is like all simple stuff when you work in a meat department. And I started power lifting, uh, in the afternoon, which was giving me more confidence. I was getting stronger. It made my job either easier unloading those trucks at three o'clock in the morning, boxes of meat in a freezer. And, uh, so that evolved into assistant market manager, believe it or not. But I still had this thing in the back of my head about wanting to wrestle. I could not get it out of my head. And, uh, we would go sometimes when, when they would come to Rome on a Thursday, Pee Wee Anderson and myself, the referee. And, uh, man, I was just fascinated by it, but I continued to work, which was that job was a good job in Rome. It, it actually paid well that, you know, and there weren't that many in Rome, to be honest with you. And your grandfather passed away. Yep. I got a call and, uh, my grandmother was on the phone and said, you need to, uh, get to the hospital. And apparently he had, other than pay the money, we had had a storm and there were some shingles that were blown off the roof. So he decided he had the bright idea of going up on top of the house and fixing that himself. And as he was climbing up the ladder, the ladder slipped 
he fell off. And uh, it's, it's ironic that that's what happened. But as he was falling, the clothesline that my grandmother hung the clothes on was close enough that when he fell off that ladder, he actually clotheslined himself, but oh. on the, on the jaw and across, across his lip. And he knocked out a few teeth and it split his lip really bad. So it was bad enough that he had to go to the hospital. And as they got him in there and they started talking to him a little bit, they figured out more was going on. They admitted him. They did some tests. That's where they found that he had pretty uh, advanced cancer. And I don't know if it was from the concussion of the, of the fall of the, uh, what exactly it was, but it led to in four days, he was gone. He had passed away. He never recovered. And you're how old at this point? Uh, probably 21. And, uh, what about, what about grandma? Uh, grandma's no longer with us. I'm sure. No, granny's still there. Really? Uh, yes. How old's granny now? No, no. He still with us now. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. The, I meant then. Yeah. Then, then. So she was by herself there and she was afraid to be in the house alone. Thank God. Her sister was still alive. And, uh, she came down from North, North Carolina and lived with her for a while, uh, which helped just knowing that somebody was there. And, uh, but it was a rough time. Uh, of course she had no income coming in, whatever she had tucked away. The job that I had, I was still living at home. So I gave her everything that I made with the exception of enough money to have, uh, you know, a little bit of spending money and gas money and that's it. And I gave the rest of her to run the house. Uh, it, it was some tough times after my grandfather died. Somewhere in here, you, uh, decide to, uh, try a new path. And I think a lot of that had to do with meeting Ted Allen. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and before we leave, you know, my grandfather and uh, grandmother, let me just say this. They taught me more about life than anybody ever has. Um, my grandfather taught me, no matter what, son, you take care of your family, no matter what. And then he, the little house, albeit wood floors, no air conditioning, very, very small, very small home. He said to me one time, son, this house is paid for. Nobody can ever take it away from your grandmother or you, you know, it's yours. You will have a house to live on. It's not much, but it, it's yours. And my grandmother basically just taught me to live on a budget. You know, there's the stories about when I was a kid, you know, putting the little Debbie's in the cart and her taking them back out and looking at me and going, can't afford them this week, maybe next week. And that was all part at the time. It pissed me off. Right. I, I was wanting those Swiss cake rolls, you know what <laughs> but she gave me the reason why I couldn't have them and yeah. uh, it pissed me off then. And I figured out later in life, man, that's what you do. Life is all about choices yeah. and you make, you make the right choices. You'll be okay. 
So growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. I think uh, everybody listening to this probably used to have a Saturday morning routine that involved cartoons, wrestling, and cereal. Uh, but then eventually we grow out of cartoons and well, most of us didn't grow out of wrestling, but we do grow out of eating cereal when we realize it's full of sugar and junk. We probably shouldn't be eating, but what if cereal was back with zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net carbs in each serving. We're talking just 140 calories a serving. It's keto friendly. It's gluten free. It's grain free. It's soy free. It's low carb and it's GMO free. Boy, do we have exciting news. Magic spoon has released a new super delicious flavor birthday cake, birthday cake. Magic spoon will be available in a special five pack for a limited time only So get it while you can, or build your own box. The available flavors to build your own custom box include cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. And if you're listening from Canada, magic spoon now ships there as well. This is a game changer in my house. Megan is the healthy eater in the bunch. Duh. And she did not allow cereal in the house until magic spoon. And now buddy, it is a wrestling match. Anytime the peanut butter comes out, but I got to try this new birthday cake. I'm fired up. And if you're looking forward to cereal, you got to go to magicspoon.com forward slash Arn to grab this new limited edition birthday cake or a custom bundle of cereal to try it today. And be sure to use our promo code ARN at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is now good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, you can get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com forward slash ARN. And use that promo code ARN to save $5 off. One more time, that's magicspoon.com forward slash ARN. Use that promo code ARN. Save yourself some cash. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode and delicious breakfast. Woohoo! Cereal's back. Magicspoon.com forward slash ARN. So, you know, let's, before we jump into Ted Allen, I want to ask who was your inspiration or, or what was the motivation to get into powerlifting? We mentioned it briefly, but we didn't really drill down on why powerlifting. Well, because I was never going to be a bodybuilder. Right. Did not have the genetics for it. My friend Bob Moss, that name keeps coming up, actually opened up a Bob's Body Shop, which was a gym. And him being my best friend, I could train free. And uh, Bob was like a, a amateur bodybuilder. He competed a few times, but not that many. But he basically was just more of a trainer, training the people that, that worked out at his gym. And that was his interest. And he had a really good physique. He still looks great. Um, so he provided that platform and there was a couple of guys in there that came in from across town, another gym, and they had started Olympic lifting, mm. which is different for powerlifting, obviously. And I saw that that took way too much technique. It took way too much skill, but I, I noticed that they were doing, you know, heavy squats to help them with their Olympic lifting. And I started squatting and then i noticed they were doing deadlifts to help them with those 
cleaning jerks. So the two were kind of closely tied together, but being different in the actual competition of them. And I, I started squatting and I saw my overall strength started to go up. My bench started to go up. My incline started to go up. Squats will do that for you. It'll make you stronger all over weighted squats. And I just saw so much progress and my body started to change. My job got easier. Those boxes got lighter because that was a very real deal. Three days a week, we would have a big, you know, 18 wheeler truck back up to the grocery store, open the doors at three o'clock in the morning. And I'd have to unload maybe 50, 60 boxes of 80, 90 pound meat and stack them, stack them in a cooler. So it was difficult job that got easier. You know, life just in general got easier. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, as far as guys that are just first start working out and all that stuff, I would suggest it for, for building a foundation and building strength and getting a good, good grasp on, uh, getting stronger. And then somewhere along the way, we meet Ted Allen. Uh, remind us of how that story came to be. Again, avid fan watched TV. I could tell you anybody. It's funny thing about, and I think that that's the reason people still recognize us today. When you're on TV and you're a wrestler, that camera just zooms in on your face. It's not like football or baseball where it's you're shot from a distance. They got a cap pulled over their eyes or a helmet on their head. When you're a wrestler, it zooms in on your face and that's what people remember. So I was at the stadium, Barron stadium. Uh, it's where the high school football was played on Friday night, but I was over there after I was through working out with the weights, I stopped there and I was running and I, you know, ran a couple miles, whatever it was. It wasn't a whole hell of a lot. And as I was leaving, it happened to be a Thursday that Georgia championship wrestling was in town. And as I was leaving to get in my car, uh, Ted Allen pulled up and got out of his car and I immediately recognized him. And then it hit me. I went, Oh God, it's Thursday. I bet they're wrestling here. So I went up to him. He was opening his trunk and I think I said, uh, hello, sir. I'm my name is so-and-so, uh, I recognize you off television. You're a wrestler, correct? He said, yeah, sure am. And I said, well, I don't know how to even ask this, but how would someone like me start to begin to, you know, be a wrestler? How would I get in the wrestling business? Now, in that day and era, most wrestlers would have looked at me and said, you can't. Or you know, F off or whatever the case may be, or beat it. It just so happened. He was a nice man. And he looked me over. He says, so what are you doing over here? I guess he was making sure I wasn't stalking. You know, (laughs) he said, I see you're all sweaty. What are you doing over here? I said, well, I just got done running. I got through lifting weights earlier and stuff. I, you know, I love what you do. I would love to be able to do that. It's all I've ever wanted to do since I was eight years old. And when he figured out, that I was legitimate, at least in my story. He said, well, I'll tell you what, hold on. He wrote down his name and number. He said, if you got 500 bucks, 
<laughs> I'll train you myself. Here's my number. You think about it. You let me know. Um, so I called him the next day. I didn't have 500 bucks, but my granny did. Right. And I said, I think I have a shot. Da, 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 da. Well, I'm talking to, she said, okay, I'll let you, I'll let you have the money if you're sure. But son, that's a lot of money in this house. I hope you're not going to just throw it away. And I said, no, I, I assure you, I will get that money back to you as soon as I possibly can. Another friend of mine heard me talking about this opportunity and his dad, his name was Mal and Ted Hicks. His, they own Hicks furniture store. Jerry, who has popped in and out of the gym several times, really a nice man. He knew my story, no parents growing up and all that stuff. He said, uh, you really want to do this? I said, yeah, I sure do. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make it easy for you. Get me in touch with this Ted Allen. I got room in the back of my furniture store. I'll, I'll see if he knows how to buy a ring. I'll put a ring back there and give you all a place to train. Wow. So when I told Ted, not only did I have the 500 bucks, Tony Zane, a friend of mine that growing up, he as well wanted to train. I said, how would you feel about training a couple of us? He said, well, yeah, that won't make a difference. I said, we have the money. And there was a third guy, David McGee. We all had 500 bucks. Ted had a big day that day. And I said, we have a guy that's going to put a ring. If you can find us one or sell one, and he's going to put it right here because, you know, we have jobs. We still have to keep our job, obviously. And he said, well, yeah, obviously. Uh, so Ted or uh, Mr. Hicks bought the ring from Ted, put it in his store, and that we started training from that time. And, uh, it, you know, just from watching what we had seen on TV, we were able to do some stuff already. And, uh, and Ted said, well, God, you guys are going to be okay. And we had about, I would say eight to 10 workouts twice a week for maybe five weeks. And that's where he said, Hey, I can get you guys on TV. I could take you to Knoxville. And I can get you booked. Now you're going to get your, get a knot pounding in your ass. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you before you go, that was the least of my worries. So he took us up to Knoxville and that particular time, uh, black Jack Mulligan had a territory up in Knoxville. Very briefly with flair, right? Very briefly. Yes, yeah. sir. And that's where I saw Kelvin Sullivan for the first time and black Jack Mulligan for the first time. And, bunch of different wrestlers. So we did that, that TV a couple of times, maybe twice. And then we continued to train and Ted said, guys, I got incredible news for you. Uh, I can get you booked on Atlanta TV. Oh my gosh. To put that in perspective, everybody, how? Atlanta TV is no longer just a regional channel. Atlanta TV means TBS, the Superstation, Georgia championship wrestling, six Oh five. It's everywhere, right? It's the deal. It's the deal. It's the biggest wrestling show in the world. Whether you're going to get 
thumped or do the thumping, if you show up on that TV, you are seen across the country. Yeah. The exposure is ridiculous. So we got a couple of weeks of that. And, uh, now we're training three days a week and, uh, tempo is picked up and about that third or fourth week of doing television, I got booked against Bob and Brad Armstrong. And that was my break. Uh, in those days, they didn't talk to you very much. Uh, the guys that were the stars, we were just there as tackling dummies. We knew our job. We knew our role. But we went out there and started having a little match, and I just tried a couple of things. I think I just grabbed an arm or or reversed an arm. He was working an arm or something. I flipped over and, you know, took a single leg. Just Just some wrestling around, which made me look like maybe I knew more than what I did. We had our match. Uh, I think the guy that was my partner was named Deke Rivers. Mm. Find that name. I think that's who it was. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, I got to do some stuff when the match was over. Bob and, you know, Brad came back to me backstage. Went, you know, we've never seen you before. Where are you from? I said, well, right down the road, sir, from Rome. He said, really? He said, so we're neighbors. Bob is from uh, Marietta. Right. And the Armstrongs. So that, that kind of was like a door opening a little bit. He said, well, you know, you handled yourself pretty good out there. You know, you interested on, uh, you know, going on the road. And I said, sir, that's all I've ever wanted to do is be a wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. He says, well, you know, I'm booking down in Pensacola, Florida. I just came up. Brad and I to get some exposure on TV. We're going to be going back. He said, I've got three weeks, of a slot where I've got three weeks of work for you. If you want it, do you have a job? I said, yes, sir. I do have a job. He says, well, what do you do? I went, I'm an assistant market manager in a grocery store. He said, well, that's a pretty good job, isn't it? I said, yes, sir. It is. It's really good for Rome. He said, well, you, all I've got is three weeks. I can, uh, you know, don't quit your job. I said, I'll quit my job. A matter of fact, I just quit my job right now. If you can really use me. And he says, well, yeah, you just, you start Monday. This was on a Saturday. He said, you go home, pack, pack a couple bags. He said, I'll see you Monday in Birmingham. Well, I went in and turned in a one day notice yeah, on but- the, the meat cutting job that I had for four years now. You, as an employer, you tell me how that was received. That sucks. But, uh, as hot as the meat market guy would have been, granny had to be hotter. She couldn't believe it. Yeah. Son, you have got a good job. You've got a job that you could keep for 20 years. You can retire at that job. I said, granny, I know. And it's just a gut feeling, but I know if I get a full chance, I can do this. And I know on the other end, the upside's going to be far greater than what I can accomplish in that grocery store. She said, don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't do it. I said, this is one time I have to go against you. I know I can do this. So she said, okay. And uh, I went down and I did my three weeks and I got to work with Bob pretty much every night. And that's where you really got your education in the wrestling business. And that's where we'll take a pause for this week's episode. We hit the reset button, taking it back, talking about growing up Arn, 
We'll be back next week to sort of pick up where we left off, but man, I'm having fun. Just uh, you telling stories and us all sitting under the Arn Anderson learning tree today. I appreciate uh, you being open to, uh, a fresh, uh, I think Bruce calls it a paint of coat, a fresh coat of paint here on the show. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's just important that we all know it's not about where you, you know, start in life. It's where you end up. That's right. And, uh, I'm so blessed to be doing this podcast with you. You have given me an opportunity to thank all the fans and let them know about the Arn Anderson. They didn't know. And, uh, I never thought years and years ago that I would enjoy doing this or that I had the aptitude for it or, or that I could just bear my soul, but you know, Hey, if it helps one person achieve their goal and, and what they're trying to, to do in life, then we did something here. So thanks for your patience and let's just start from the beginning and relive all of it. I'm looking forward to it. We'll be back next week, right here on Arn. Love talking about my friend, Steven Singer, you know, the competition really hates him. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every guest, the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The person next to you may be paying less. Do you want an important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. It makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Get ready to get into the fire. NWA Power, the studio wrestling show that exploded onto our screens, is back for a fourth season. Now it's exclusively on Fight TV. And if you listen to this show, the chances are you may feel like a lot of pro wrestling that's available today, maybe a little too sports entertainment, and you may crave some good old fashioned wrestling. We may find that NWA Power hits those notes. No scripts. No skits, old schooled interviews at the famous NWA podium with some of the best talkers in the game today and hard hitting action from seasoned professionals, but perhaps best of all, it's one hour. You ain't got to carve out hours and hours to keep up with the action. See the NWA world's champion, Nick Aldis, Thunder Rosa, the television champ, the Pope, Elijah Burke, that salty redneck, Trevor Murdoch, Tom Latimer, Camille, Melina, Tim Storm, as well as all the new faces this season like the legendary Austin Idol, Chris Adonis, Kratos, and Taryn Terrell, plus so many more from the GPB studios in Atlanta, Georgia, just about a block away from the site of the old Georgia championship wrestling back in the day. The NWA package on fight TV is just $4.99 a month. That works out to just over a dollar an episode. Plus when you subscribe to the NWA on fight, you also get access to all the previous seasons of NWA power as well as into the fire and hard times pay-per-view events. Don't complain that there's no wrestling like there used to be. There is. It's NWA power. 
that's available right now. Go to fight.tv and subscribe to the NWA and feel the power. Come on, man. This is fun stuff. Fight.tv. Check it out. NWA power is back for a fourth season. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.